Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm Steve Gallo, your host, and of course, always, I'm joined by my man, Harley Schultz. Harley, how are we looking, man? It's, like, way, way weird here that it's like we're halfway through the season already. So yeah. I'm kind of mellow, I'm kind of chill, but at the same point, I'm kind of getting ramped up, too. You know what I'm kind of psyched about? We're actually hitting football weather now. It's actually, like, 52 degrees outside right now. It's been the... High 60s, low 70s the past few days, so we're truly going to get some fall weather, which really makes it feel like football season, even though, like you said, we're halfway through already, just about. Well, yeah, you're talking fall weather. Uh, we got our first snowfalls of the year last week, so I'm, I, I've already had to deal with a little bit of winter weather, and I haven't even seen the fall weather yet. Now you can have that. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, we actually, uh, I, for the, our listeners that don't know, I work for a TV sports crew that produces high school football games. And our last game Friday was in the elements. It was very, very cold. And uh, fortunately, the temperature only dipped slightly below freezing. But there was horizontal snow coming down. Again, I am in Minnesota. So you kind of expect that in November through that's, April. That's Canada, you right? You don't expect that so much in early October. That's Canada, right? Oh Canada. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm used I'm down here in the south now, so I you know, we get balmy weather. I think it was like seventy eight percent humidity today, so and it was like seventy four, which is nice for this time of year, but I'd like it a little brisker. Yeah, it's always interesting though, I mean, to have moved back home here to Minnesota from California. Uh when you when you live in Southern California you don't get any seasons other than like three weeks of rain in January. And then it's coming here and that's like, uh, well, last year on, Jan- on, on January 31st of this, of this year, I guess, uh, going back to last winter, uh, we had negative 60 degree wind chills. Yeah, you can have that. So here, I'll tell a little story real quick before we get into things that'll probably make me seem like an idiot, but that's okay. Um, so, you know, I'm from the Northeast originally, the Philadelphia south jersey area and my first trip to california was for work and it was back in the mid 90s and i've always had a view of california as being hot and sunny right that's just that's that's how they seem to always advertise it so you think to yourself california is always warm hot sunny type thing right so my trip is starts out in san diego and then finishes in san francisco and if I remember correctly, it was in the August time frame. So I basically have short sleeve shirts and shorts. I don't bring any jackets or long sleeve sweatshirts or sweaters or anything like that. Do you know that I found out that like August, I believe, is like start of cold season in San Francisco? I believe it. Yeah. Particularly I, closer to the ocean. Yeah. I mean, I was I had to buy sweaters and jackets and, and stuff like that. I was totally I was there for two weeks totally unprepared and that's when i realized that california is not always hot and sunny well now so have you ever considered uh, as an individual moving to southern california i mean to la if for no other reason then you could go on and say uh basically that well west philadelphia was where you're born and raised <laughs> on the playground is where you probably spent most of your days that's about all i can say from that because we don't want to get ASCAP getting mad at us yeah and we don't want to ruin that song so yeah exactly <laughs> well you know it's funny because when we took that trip through um california this year for my wife's 50th after we came back it's like we left a, a trail of terror there was the earthquake happened less than like two days after we went through um, there was that, net, that horrible shooting in El Paso. We were in El Paso. There was like two or three. Oh, the cliff. Remember the cliff that um, caved in on, in San Diego on that beach? We were in San Diego 
earlier. So it's just, it's crazy that we left that kind of you know, just crap behind us. I actually felt kind of bad. Um, so if, you know, I had, instead of like int- intro music, like when they introduced baseball players, if I had a newscaster follow me around, I'd have been nothing but like the six o'clock news with all the bad stuff that had happened. Um, but that's not how we roll here on the Blitz podcast, because when I throw it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's Blitz po- Blitzed podcast news, we get good stuff. So take it away, Harley. Thank you, Steve. Drew Brees has ramped up his workouts as he attempts to come back early from his thumb injury. When asked if he intends to play this week, he said that he isn't ready yet, but he is targeting week eight. So let's think about this. Brees would rather come back versus the Cardinals than come back this week and face the Bears. That's a smart cookie right there. Will Disley is feared to have torn his Achilles in Sunday's victory over the Browns. This is the second year in a row where Disley has been shut down following a major lower body injury. Not to scare his dynasty owners, but at this point, we can safely say that Disley's career trajectory is somewhere between Todd Heap and Jordan Reed. (laughs) Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens said that Baker Mayfield shouldn't miss any time following his hip injury sustained last week. Afterwards, we interviewed Mayfield, and he said that Kitchens should miss some time after injuring the team's offense all season. (laughs) Coach Brian Flores has gone on record as stating that Josh Rosen is the guy in Miami. Apparently, the mic cut off at this point, because no one else heard him finish the statement with the phrase, that will secure us to a tagle viola. <laughs> and finally, the Patriots re-signed Ben Watson after Rob Gronkowski apparently spurned them for the television booth. This has been your BPN News Update. Yeah, um, about that. Like, does anybody, did anybody, I told you last week, there's no way Rob was coming back, man. He can't, I don't think he could pass a test. <laughs> it's CBD. There's no THC in CBD. Yeah, but what else is he doing? Well, there's that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so he was actually pretty good on his – I saw a few seconds of him on TV with Strahan and those guys. I thought he was pretty good. It was kind of funny how he described Edelman, um, the squirrel, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But So this week, let's tell the people what they're going to get. What we're going to do, of course, is our normal DFS – stuff with pay-ups, stay-aways, and value plays, but that'll be second. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to do something that we're going to call proactive playoff posturing. How's that sound? Say that fast three times. (laughs) Yes. What that means is we're going to talk about guys that we think you should target. And no, we're not going to say go get Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley. We're going to try and go a little deeper than that to get guys that have probably underperformed or that you should be able to get for a reasonable price at least. So we're going to touch on quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Um, So, of course, I'm going to let Harley take over for quarterback because I'm not giving you any quarterbacks. That's how I roll. Well, I would think that with the bottom feeder quarterbacks you usually end up on your roster, you may need to go get a quarterback at this point. But uh, the guys that I've got listed here, I've got four quarterbacks that I've identified as being very good trade fours or very good acquires at this point because of their playoff schedule. Now, when we talk about playoff schedule, we're talking about their schedule weeks 14, 15, and 16 because any legitimate fantasy football league will not have a playoff game in week 17. I'm going to one-up you on that and tell you that when I looked at this, I actually included week 13 for the fact that if you need a win to get in, I wanted to be able to include a guy that had a good week 13 schedule more than likely to. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, The four guys that I'm targeting at quarterback here, uh, the injured Cam Newton, who by all accords is getting closer and closer to returning, uh, gets to face the Atlanta Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs. Uh, For Cleveland, we just talked about Baker Mayfield, and he actually had a pretty decent game this last week. He gets to face the Bengals, the Cardinals, and the Ravens. 
Gardner Minshew, coming off his worst game as a starter, gets to face a playoff lineup of the Los Angeles Chargers, the Oakland Raiders, and the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. And by the and, way, by the way, sorry to cut you off. Cam also gets the Washington Redskins in Week 13. Oh, that's even that's juice on top of the cake there. Yep. And lastly, a, a guy who may even just be on your free agent wire right now, but if someone did pick him up, go after Daniel Jones of the Giants. He gets to face the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the Redskins. Talk about the unholy triumvirate for your fantasy playoffs right there. And Mr. Minshew in Week 13, um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, that, that's just, I mean, he might get sacked a few times in that game, but he's going to throw a lot of yards and a few touchdowns there, too. Yeah, and then your last guy, who did you say your last guy was? Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. Let's see what his week 13 looks like, just because you weren't, you weren't going at it in that realm, but I will. Uh, Green Bay Packers. They can be beaten. You saw Dak Prescott threw for 400 yards, had big games for both uh, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper against them a couple weeks ago. Yep. And as we're watching right now on Monday Night TV, Matthew Stafford is throwing the ball all across the field against them. That he is. Okay, so let's go ahead and run over to the running back position. How about I start us off, and then I know you've got a deeper <coughs> um, bench load of people. I, I picked out my two favorites. One Shoot. that will probably cost a little more to acquire based on his name recognition and what his draft capital was, but people remember this right now. Draft capital means crap at this time of the year, um, but name recognition is going to cost you a little bit probably. A guy that currently hasn't lived up to expectations, he ranks 16th at running back, I believe, in PPR, Le'Veon Bell. Um, week 13, he faces a Bengals team that's given up the most points to running backs this year. He gets to follow that up in week 14 against Miami, who's given up the second most. And then 15-16, not the greatest matchups. Baltimore's middle of the pack at 15th, and Pittsburgh um, comes in at 11th in championship week. But with Sam Darnold back, you've got a very short window. Le'Veon didn't do much this week. He did get in the end zone, so that's going to make it a little harder to get him probably, but he didn't do much on the, the pass reception side of things. So if you're going to strike, you've got to strike now for him. And then another guy that people had high expectations for coming into the season, but he's failed to live up to them, and I think would be able to be acquired for, you know, probably a little less than, you know, dollar for dollar. You might get him 70 80% of what people would think he should go for. But David Montgomery, um, week 13, Detroit, they rank fourth in points allowed to running backs. Dallas at 14 in the 14th week at their number six. Green Bay. We know what they've done in the run game for teams. They're third in points allowed. And then week 16, he gets the Chiefs, who are top 12. So they're the two guys that I'm targeting or would target if I needed running back help for the playoff run. It's interesting you mentioned David Montgomery because he was definitely on my short list. Again, you saw the Cowboys and Packers. They faced each other a couple weeks ago. Both Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott had big games in that setup. Uh, Packers have been giving up all year round to uh, – opposing running backs. Cowboys of late have started to get worse and worse against running backs. And the Chiefs, for all the talk about how explosive their offense is and how you'd have to throw the ball to keep up with them, their Achilles heel right now is actually their run defense. So, again, that's a great matchup, 14, 15, and 16. Uh, two other guys that I really considered here, and guys that I like for their matchups, Leonard Fournette. He's a guy who has some name recognition, but most of that name recognition is negative name recognition based on his injury history and his underperforming. He gets to face the Los Angeles Chargers, the Oakland Raiders, and the Atlanta Falcons the last three weeks. Kenyon Drake, for the Miami Dolphins, gets to face the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals. Now, you mentioned the Bengals for one of your guys. Bengals are allowing something like 193 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. Second most and, points allowed so far to running backs. <clears throat> and lastly, I've got the combo of Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard for the Eagles. They get to face the Giants, the Redskins, and the Cowboys those final three weeks. And, and of the two of them, I think I'd more target Miles Sanders because he's going to be much more involved in the passing game. So, yes, I actually almost put Miles Sanders down, but I just wanted to narrow it down to two players. And the reason I say Miles Sanders is Jordan Howard has been pretty good the past few weeks, and I think that people probably are discrediting Sanders where I really think his production is not that bad. And you know you can at least use him, but if something happens to 
Jordan Howard or Sanders really lights a fire under himself, he's the kind of guy that, that could be that bell cow that really puts you over the top. Exactly. So now we don't talk about DFS picks, but we did talk about these in advance. So I know that we agree on three of the guys I have on my list. I've got four, two are from the same team. Um, so let's talk about them first. I've got DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Um, the, the, their schedule is great, honestly. Week 13, Washington, which ranks third. Week 14, Atlanta, they rank second. Then week 15, eh, Seattle, they rank 18th in points allowed. And then Indy in week 16, they rank 20th. But so 13 and 14 is what really matters. I like both players. I think you probably get Samuel a little cheaper. But you know what? If you like one or the other, you want to try and make offers for both and get the one that makes the most sense, then do it in my eyes. Well, I think if you've got some recency bias, you might actually be able to get more cheaper because Moore did leave the game briefly last week uh, due to injury, and Samuel had two touchdowns. But yeah. I agree as far as how the season has progressed before that, Samuel would certainly go for cheaper. Yep, I can see that. But again, <coughs> so another guy, and I know that you said that you were talking about um, – well, actually, we don't have the same guy. We have the same team. How's that? Um, yes. I think DJ Chark is a guy that I didn't get any shares of this year. Really liked him, wanted him. Didn't like him as much as D.D. Westbrook. I thought D.D. would be the guy, and I'm wrong. It was Chark. So I've got D.D. Westbrook as a buy. In weeks 13 through 16, he faces the Bucks, who have given up the most points to fantasy wide receivers, the Chargers, who are 22nd, the Raiders, who are 8th, and the Falcons in championship week, who are 2nd. So... To me, if I have to buy one of the two, I'd rather have Chark, but I don't know that you're going to be able to buy Chark from his owner. I think you can buy D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, you might even be able to find D.D. Westbrook on the waiver wire. Uh, I'm kind of in that same boat. I put Chark's name down, but I decided to not include him in my list because of the fact that I think his asking price is too high right now. But it's interesting you mentioned at the start of the year. I think at the start of the year, everyone was assuming that Nick Foles would be the quarterback, yeah. and I thought a lot of people felt like Nick Foles would have an instant connection with D.D. Westbrook. Foles got hurt. The offense pivoted. They pivoted to Gardner Minshew, who suddenly developed the bromance with D.J. Chark. Yep. <clears throat> so, again, so I like— your guys, right? Yeah, you can go—well, I got one guy I didn't mention yet— um, He's going to be really hard to get at a at a discount because of his performances past week. Um, but Robbie Anderson, and I bought him earlier in the season, honestly, because I was really expecting him to have a breakout year with Sam Darnold. Darnold missed the beginning of the year because of his mono. But um, look, here's what I don't understand. I do understand it. So his week 13 through 16, Cincinnati, Miami, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Cincinnati ranks 28th in points allowed to fantasy wide receivers. That sounds crazy to me because that secondary is horrible. But it's because everybody's running the hell all over them, right? Yep. So I love his Week 13 matchup, even though it looks on paper to be tough. Um, Miami in 14, they've given up the ninth most points to wide receivers. Baltimore, believe it or not, is 10th. That defense isn't the same as it used to be. And Pittsburgh's middle of the pack at 17. But I think that you're going to see Robbie really come into his own with Darnold getting back under center and getting his feet under him too. But again, because of that big 92-yard touchdown, he's, that probably cost everybody just a little <coughs> bit more in negotiations. Um, but maybe you can get somebody that goes, oh, I'm going to sell high while I can, and, while I can and, and that's a benefit for you because I do think that Robbie's going to be wide receiver two wide receiver three plus possibly wide receiver two the rest of the way. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the games against Baltimore and the Steelers. I'm, I'm actually, I did a little mining on Baltimore today for DFS, and I really get the feeling that uh, their stats against from a wide receiver standpoint were kind of weighted by one game. In all the rest of their games, they've actually been pretty good, but they had one game where they just gave up a ton of yardage and a ton of points. So their, their numbers may be a little misleading. The Steelers might also have that issue because they were horrible until they went out and got Minka Fitzpatrick. Since then, the Steelers' pass defense has actually been quite good. So I think that that is a, uh, definitely a grading factor to maybe have a little te tepidness about players going up against him. In, and they still have Joe Hayden there, too, for that matter. But yeah. players going up against that secondary later in the season. Yeah, I do wonder how 
losing is going to start to grate on the defense because I'm sorry, I just <coughs> don't see Pittsburgh sustaining any kind of wins to put them where at the end of the year they're truly in playoff contention. Come on, you're you're not in Dublin. We trust her in Duck. We trust. <laughs> nope, sorry, Duck season's out for me. <laughs> well, some of the guys that I listed, I did I did have Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore certainly. I actually had three other combos that that I think are worth considering. Uh, the Browns, Odell Beckham, who's certainly having a down season by Odell Beckham standards, and his running mate Jarvis Landry. You could maybe even include in that uh, talk a little Rashad Higgins talk because uh, despite being a healthy scratch this week, there was definitely a bromance blooming between him and Baker Mayfield both late last year and early this year. Uh, when you look at the situation in the Giants camp, they get to face the Eagles, Dolphins, and Redskins down the stretch, as I mentioned with Daniel Jones. That means two guys, Golden Tate and the currently injured Sterling Shepard, have the potential to be big scores for your team. And you can get both of them for uh, nary more than a wide receiver three, wide receiver four type guy. Because that's where they target themselves too most of the time. Uh, and lastly, uh, on pairs, I looked at Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And to a lesser degree, you can look at the other receivers in Seattle like uh, J. Ron uh, Brown and uh, David Moore. But the, the big two being Lockett and Metcalf. They get to face the Rams secondary that just lost to keep Tlaib for the foreseeable future, the Panthers, and the Cardinals last uh, in Week 16. So, you know what? Tower Lockett ranks 11th currently um, among wide receivers. Do you really think that he's somebody you can pry away from the owner from? And I- uh, Probably not, but when you look at his lines individually each week, He's got a lot of those 50 yards and a touchdown games. See, I was actually going to say that I think that you can because for some reason people just don't have as much of an appreciation for that man as they should. Um, I think people don't have as much of an appreciation for that whole offense as they should. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, But like, yeah, I mean, you got Mike Evans who's been all or nothing at times this year. And then you've got somebody like Tyler Lockett who's right there with him, five points from, you know, his total. I don't know. I just I don't think that I don't think that Lockett is a hands off guy if you own him the way like your Julio Jones and your Keenan Allen's are. You know what I mean? Um, you got him a little later. I think those owners can be swayed out of him, and if you can get him, I absolutely would. No, I have two other ends of the extreme guys to go after here at the wide receiver position. One is a grizzled veteran, and the other is a really untested rookie, that being Elshon Jeffrey, who gets to face the Giants, the Redskins, and the Cowboys the last three weeks, and the other being Preston Williams, who gets to face the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals the last three weeks. Both of these guys, I think, can be had pretty cheaply still at this point. Elshon has some name recognition, but he really hasn't done it on a consistent basis for about three years now. Yeah, and the Philly offense has been sputtering somewhat. And I'll tell you what, um, I think he's a good buy candidate if you can get him away from from his owner because once Deshaun Jackson, if he ever does get back, which he's maybe this week, um, it really will open that offense up. And then I think you'll see Jeffrey blossom even more. Yeah, it makes Carson Wentz a possible buy too. Although, again, I don't think teams are going to be trading Carson Wentz at this point. Right. Okay, so you're the tight end whisperer. Um, I'll give you my two tight ends, and you can whisper in their ears, and then I'll let you run off with the stash that you have. Um, The first guy that I'm going to say is a guy that probably got picked up ad nauseum from people after a huge week five, and after week six, they probably are so sick that they're going to drop him. I would absolutely try to work a trade out, right? I would not make him who it looks like I'm targeting. See if I can't get him thrown in. Get the trade to where you go, eh, you know what, that's too much for that guy. But, you know, if you still want to give him it, put him in a deal for me, I'll take him off your hands. Gerald Everett. Week 13, Arizona. Week 14, Seattle. Week 15, Dallas. Arizona's number one, the tight end. Seattle's four, Dallas is 10. Now, here's the bad part of it. Week 16, San Francisco, they're 30th. So you might not be able to use him in championship week, but I guarantee you get him for, for change on the dollar compared to what you would have last week. Well, and considering that if you're getting him, even with all the injuries at tight end, 
you wouldn't per se be getting Everett to be your tight end one going down the stretch. You're probably still getting him as your backup tight end. And again, you're probably be able to get him as a throw in now at this point too. And that's what I would try to do. And then, yeah, and if you need him, you can plug him in. If not, you whatever. Um, the other guy, and I'm not as sold on him being an answer, but the upside's there. Um, and that's Aikens in Houston. Um, looked at Darren Fells also because he's had a nice couple weeks, but I think Fells would be too much from a cost standpoint versus what he really should be. And, you know, the, the worst part about his schedule, Aiken's schedule, is week 13, New England, 32nd against tight ends. Then it starts to open up. Denver in week 14, they're 21st. 15, Tennessee, 7th and ready. Week 16, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're 2nd. Well, let me shed a tear for all of my two-year-ago dynasty shares of C.J. Fedorowicz, who was going to be my supreme leader at tight end position going forward in dynasty and empire leagues. And then, of course, uh, he went out and suffered his 40th concussion and couldn't play anymore. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's going to be volume in that Houston offense, and certainly as teams are forced to cover their outside wide receivers more, not Will Fuller's healthy forever, how long, knock on wood, he stays healthy. That's going to open up the inside, and that means Jordan Akins and Darren Fells are both certainly serviceable options. Man, now, know- at the tight end position, there's two big names that you probably aren't going to be able to trade for just because hey, there's let, let me no cut, one out there. Let me cut you off real quick since you said Will Fuller. It's doubtful you can trade for him, but owners that might have been frustrated from his week six, if you can, do it. The man had three more touchdowns in his hands. Three. It's just ridiculous, the, just the camaraderie he has with Deshaun Watson on the field. It's very, very good. Yep. Okay, so go back to yours. Okay. So the two the big-name uh, big tight ends that you probably won't be able to acquire, but if you can manage to get them, Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry. Ingram faces the Eagles, Dolphins, and Redskins down the stretch. Henry faces the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Raiders down the stretch. But again, you're probably not going to be able to get them, again, coming off of Henry's big game. And and Engram, you might be able to because he missed last week and he's kind of questionable for this week. But again, the way the tight end landscape looks where there's just so few quality tight ends out there, you're probably still giving up a little bit of a premium to get one of those two. But to get one of the top three or four tight ends down the stretch, you might want to give up a little bit more there. And listen, the guys, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was going to say, you know what, at the end of the day, you never know what somebody else is thinking. Make an offer. Make exactly. an offer. You might get lucky. Maybe someone really wants your George Kittle because of his name recognition. And I like Kittle's schedule, too, down the line, for that matter. But maybe he has Engram, and maybe he values Kittle more. So you get Engram, and you get him to throw something else in. So here you go. George Kittle for Le'Veon Bell and Evan Engram. That's actually something that could you could see on two teams. Yeah. Uh, the four other tight ends I'm really looking at buying right now, uh, TJ Hawkinson gets to face the Vikings, the Buccaneers, and the Broncos. Greg Olson gets to face the Falcons, Seahawks, and Colts. And probably my two favorite, one of these, again, is a grizzled veteran. One of these is a Younger guy, he's not a rookie, but he's a younger guy who may have been dropped in your league. Jason Witten. He bits to face the Chicago Bears, who are actually pretty bad against the tight end. The Los Angeles Rams, who have given up a buttload of yards to the tight end over the last couple weeks. And lastly, the Philadelphia Eagles. And the guy who might be available on your waiver wire because he was put on IR a couple weeks ago. David Njoku. He is scheduled to come off the IR week 12 to face the Miami Dolphins, which would be nice enough as it is. But then you look at his playoff schedule week 14, 15, and 16. In addition to facing the Dolphins in week 12, he gets the Cincinnati Bengals, everyone's laughing stock, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Baltimore Ravens, who have actually given up three 60-plus yard performances to tight ends this year already. Yeah. Um, like I said, though, if you're not sure, make an offer. That's just don't make stupid offers. Nobody likes yeah. stupid offers. Look, I'll be honest with you. 
I make I used to make a lot of trades. I don't trade as much as I used to because I don't have the time. But I can't tell you how often I had no problem giving up more to get the guy I wanted. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the best trade is one that you feel like not just benefited you, but it benefited your partner. Because of that, I didn't trade a lot in my division. Uh, I wasn't going to make somebody else that's competing with me for you know to get to the playoffs stronger. So I didn't trade in my conference in my division a lot. Um, but I didn't have any problem overpaying for a guy if I really wanted him and thought he made my team better. So I think that's the stance that people really should take. But again, this is the nice thing about this exercise is that it's going to give you guys a list of players that you can legitimately have a chance to go get. Again, yes, I would love for you to be able to trade for Christian McCaffrey. I'd love for you to be able to trade for Patrick Mahomes or Saquon Barkley. But the plain truth is, you're realistically not going to get those guys to be traded away. These players that Steve and I just listed are guys that you actually have a chance to go out, trade, and acquire, and who actually have a chance to win you your championship. Absolutely. Um, so the transition here is for me to find something funny and catchy to say about how you don't have to worry if anybody's available because they're all available when you do DFS. <laughs> it does make it easy on a week-to-week basis to just say, oh, hey, I want to play him today. Yes. And you can then hedge and play somebody else so that you feel like, I didn't know who I wanted of those two, and you don't bench Golden Tate and Robbie Anderson and wind up in a battle where you're not sure if you're going to pull off a win because you could have played them both and sat one and played one and, and sat both and played somebody else. Well, and also, I mean... I, I cost myself a victory this week because I didn't activate Tyreek Hill in time in one league. Uh, I have to admit, I was kind of busy Sunday morning setting way too many DFS lineups, but uh, I forgot to check back to one page when I saw Tyreek Hill was activated, and I thought I, 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 I thought I had marked him as as being on my active roster, but I didn't. So, just a reminder to everyone: on, as far as your regular leagues go, just double check your lineups each week. Make sure you got all your guys in there. Yeah. So. I'll be honest with you, if anybody would ask me, unless you had really horrible options, I probably wouldn't have said to play Tyreek. I want to see what he's going to do coming back. I I owned Hunter Henry, and I started Jason Witten over him, who I picked up off the waiver wire, believe it or not. So, okay, not so bad. But, yeah, Henry's points would have been nice. Um, but I just I tend to be less of a risk taker when guys are coming back from injury because I want to make sure they're going to get a full compliment. Of course, I make those mistakes where I go against my gut and play Melvin Gordon two weeks ago, and it cost me. Um, but, yeah, generally I'm going to be a little more cautious and optimistic and pessimistic with guys when they're first coming back from injury. So, Well, it's kind of interesting you mentioned coming back from injury now. Uh, in, in one of my redraft leagues, I actually had the choice of starting George Kittle at tight end or starting Austin Hooper at tight end. And it's a one tight end league, so I couldn't start one of them at flex. That, that wasn't an option. So I saw the early reports of Kittle being slightly dinged up, and I subbed in Austin Hooper. And about two-thirds of the way into the afternoon slate of games, I look and Kittle's got like four catches for 90 yards already, and I'm like, ah! Yep. Uh, so then I flip over to the Atlanta game, and oh, Austin Hooper's keeping pace with him. Ultimately, Hooper actually ended up with a better stat line. So sometimes making the wrong decision is still the right decision. That is true, but I'm also going to say as a PSA for people, in a one tight end league, if you own George Kittle and Austin Hooper, <laughs> trade one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I've been trying, Steve. I've been trying. I know. And it's all, it's not it's always easier said than done. But yes, that's that's a perfect storm for where you, you go out and don't worry about trading the guy that you can get the most for because you're going to be solid. Well, with in this case here, I, I actually would recommend trading George Kittle because I think he's got more trade value than Austin Hooper does. Yep. But again, if you look at their schedules, Hooper's schedule down the stretch is actually better than Kittle's. Yeah. And so. Kittle has a pretty good schedule too. <laughs> yeah, and Kittle's pretty good too. So if you own him, you yeah. start him. That's why you don't want to have to have those decisions made, you know, where you can make the mistake. Get keep one of them and, and run with one of them. So, all right, let's run over to DFS where I actually do pick quarterbacks. 
Well, and in DFS, you can actually play two tight ends, too. There you go. I don't recommend that, by the way. Um, I have not done the thorough, solid study for it, but I did look into it semi with both eyes a few years ago, and tight ends in general just don't score double digits above 20 points enough. I shouldn't say double digits, above 20 points enough for me to really like a tight end in my flex spot in DFS. Yep. So, but let's do quarterbacks. But before we do that, I guess go ahead and put the number. What's the over-under tonight? We killed it last week, right? Yeah, we had way more than I thought we would last week. This week, it might be a little tougher. I'm going to say one, two, three, four. Let's say four. I'm going to go one up from last week. Yeah, we were six of 12, 50% last week, um, which is crazy. Four. Uh, I'm taking the under. No, wait a okay. minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to take the over. I got to go over. Okay. I think there's one that we really run the table on, so I'm going to say over. I'll get us started. Um, my pay-up quarterbacks, actually, I was shocked. They're a little less pricey than I would have thought they would have been at the top end. Um, and I'm not real not, – not saying they all have horrible matchups. I'm not just – I'm not real crazy about the top four or five. Um, but I'm going to pay up for Josh Allen. And here's the thing. I like Russell Wilson this week, okay, not as much as, you know, Kyler Murray I like, but he's on the road, right? Lamar Jackson at Seattle, but he's on the road. Deshaun Watson, but he's on the road against a team coming off a bye. So that means it came down to Russell Wilson or Josh Allen for me. I'm taking the quarterback that's at home against Miami every day and twice on Sunday. You can't argue with that statement at all. I didn't take Josh Allen, but you can't argue with that statement. Uh, one thing I will say is that Russell Wilson's $8,500 price tag on FanDuel I think it's a bit too much. Yes. Um, Baltimore, as I said a little earlier on, I think their numbers against quarterbacks and receivers are slightly inflated because of one really, really bad game. So I I don't love that matchup for him. Uh, The guy I ended up going with is Kyler Murray. And the reason I did, the Giants have allowed multiple touchdowns to every quarterback not on the Redskins. And this includes also three rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks. And realistically, they haven't faced a rushing quarterback like Kyler Murray yet. So, again, I don't, I don't oppose that. My biggest concern with it was on the road, going to New York, coming off of two big wins. Do they keep it going? Uh, just it scares me a little bit, that's all. Well, so you might know who I'm staying away from based on my, recent, my, my most recent comments there. Um, it's not going to match me, but go ahead. You can, you can say it for sure. I'm staying away from Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore has allowed zero or one quarterback touchdown in five of their six games. Do you they know, do give up some passing yards. Do you want to know why I'm not staying away from Russell Wilson? Why is that? Because now anytime he doesn't like what, um, Schottenheimer sends in play call wise, he's just going to say his helmet's not working and, and do it himself. <laughs> Did that work for him in uh, in worked, Wisconsin? It, it, it worked for him this week against the Browns, unfortunately, for my wife. Um, no, the guy I'm staying away from just had a fantastic – actually, we'll call it two weeks in a row. Um, but you know what? He's not facing the Eagles this week. He's going on the road. I'm staying away from Kirk Cousins. I, you know what? Zach Brown got cut. People are saying it's because he called out Kirk Cousins and then they got roasted and all that stuff. But you know what? Just because that happened doesn't mean that Zach was wrong when he said that Kirk is the weak link on that offense. Yeah, and again, the last couple of weeks, they've needed Kirk Cousins to step up to silence the critics. They've needed Kirk Cousins to step up last week because they were facing a team that you can't run the ball against. And he did. Kudos to Kirk. And- I agree. Well, it, it's going to be a judgment call going forward, seeing, again, I don't think Kirk Cousins is an every week starter, at least yeah. not from a fantasy standpoint. But he is a good streamer. He's a guy that you can use in DFS when the matchup's good. Right. And this week's matchup isn't that good. No, and last week against the <laughs> Eagles, just because he torched them doesn't mean it's because Kirk Cousins was great. That's just how bad the Eagles' secondary is right now. Uh, they, seriously, I think both of us could suit up for their secondary right if, now. If they're not on the phone with Arizona about Patrick Peterson or Jacksonville and Jalen Ramsey, or both Christ, if they could pull that off, that'd be a miracle, um, I, then I don't know what Howie's doing, honestly. 
Well, who is your value play at quarterback this so week? So I had two, and of course I crossed one out. Um, I'll tell you who I crossed out first. I crossed out um, Minshew. I, I liked his matchup. Price is pretty decent, right? Um, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, it's on the road. That's one of the things. You know me, I like home games versus away games usually from my quarterbacks. Um, I think that Cincinnati can be very forgiving, so he'll get right with them. But I'm going to go with a guy who he really, really tore it up in garbage time this past week. I mean, how can you overlook 78 passing yards? (laughs) Jared Goff will probably have a negative ownership this week in DFS because of recency bias. Would you not agree with that? I I totally agree. (laughs) But if there is a team to get right against, it's the Falcons. I I seriously considered Goff myself. I thought his price tag was a little too high for the value. Uh, I also considered Andy Dalton against Jacksonville, who they played better this past week, but they still don't have Jalen Ramsey, and they're still not 100% in their their secondary. Ultimately, I went with the other side of that coin, and I did go with Gardner Minshew going going to town against Cincinnati. you know, Cincinnati, there wasn't a lot of real good value options this week. No, there was not. A lot of the not. cheaper price guys just don't have good matchups. And I feel Gardner is going to be really low-owned after the complete stinker last week. So we both, but- we both kind of have the same thought <coughs> on our value guy being low-owned because of the games that they're coming off of. But the nice thing about Gardner is that he also is a decent running quarterback, too. And over the last two weeks, Cincinnati has allowed 245 quarterback rushing yards and two quarterback rushing touchdowns. Now, yes, that was against two premier rushing quarterbacks, but, you know, I'd take a third of that. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> um, and look, Minshew, he scored 4.62 points this week. That's bad. But prior to that, just look, 17 change, 16, almost 18, 16, 24. He's solid. That's what you want. So... Um, and he, he's going to give you the ability to get some other guys in your DFS lineup. Exactly. We're 0 for 3 so far, buddy. I said this was a tougher week. Although, I, I guess you could say we were at a half with Minshew because I did cross him out. Um, so at running back, I have two, and I crossed one out. That's probably going to be what makes us not agree. Um, I find Dalvin Cook just that matchup's good it really i mean i like the looks of that matchup this week for dalvin right um but he's 8,800 there's a guy that i like almost as much and he's cheaper so if i'm gonna pay up i'll pay up a little less how's that sound um yep leonard fournette 7,700 give me all we've got a match give me all the leonard fournette this week against the Bengals. we've got a match as we mentioned earlier the Bengals are allowing 193 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. They have allowed 10 total running back touchdowns. You know, Fournette's starting to get more involved in the passing game. And over the last three weeks, he's actually averaged 28 touches per game. You give Fournette 28 touches against the Bengals, he's going to top 200 total yards. Definitely an opportunity for it. That's for sure. So, yeah, I didn't think we'd match that because I thought you might go in to take the cook. Um uh, so here's the thing with Cook. I, I like the matchup to some degree, especially with his PPR skills. But what I've seen is over the last three quarters of a season, going back to mid-last season, when Detroit acquired Snacks Harrison, their run defense went from absolutely abysmal to yes. merely putrid. So their defense actually got better with that acquisition. It takes a little bit of shine off of uh, the Cook play this week, I'd say. And I'll say this too. Both DraftKings and FanDuel, they need to do better. Saquon Barkley, still out with a high ankle sprain, can't be the highest-priced running back. I think they're kind of judging that he might play this week. and uh, But again, he's facing Arizona, and while well, Arizona's run defense is not as bad as they were last year, they're, they're improved from last year, mainly because teams don't have to run against them. They can just throw the ball willy-nilly. Yeah, just, I don't know. That's just something that ruffled my feathers, that's all. <laughs> so I think we're going to agree on who we're staying away from, too, here. Well, I'm, I'm going to stay away from Elvin Kamara. Ding, ding, ding. Facing the Bears. So it's two for two at the running back position. Uh, the Bears are bound to be a little salty after giving up a huge game to Jacobs last week. Uh, now they can 
they can be beat actually through the air. Opposing backs are actually catching a lot of passes against the Bears. That's mainly because you can't run the ball against them. With Kamara dinged up, he may not even get a full complement of touches anyways. That's my biggest concern is not just the Bears and their defense, but he's dinged up. And then add in, will Teddy even have time to get the ball out? Um, And it is in Chicago. And here's another thing of note. That Chicago stadium field is not the best field in the NFL. Yeah. Well, and it was proven while his time here in Minnesota, Teddy Bridgewater didn't care to play outside. Okay. Well, there you go. I have a feeling that we may actually agree on our value play, which is really going to be tough. Um, Maybe not, but I think there's a chance. So the first guy I wrote down, I went, no, that's not who you put in a DFS lineup, especially if you're looking like at a big tournament and you need a splash play. I'll tell you who that was. I was looking at Frank Gore. Um, How do you not like them facing the Dolphins at home, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But Gore could carry the ball 24 times for 106 yards and no touchdowns or one touchdown. That's great, but it's not huge. Give me – and this, here's the thing. This, there's a pivot with this. If he's active and healthy and going to play, give me Devin Singletary all day long. If he's out, then I'll pivot to Gore. Well, so I also considered both the Buffalo guys. I also considered a horribly underpriced Josh Jacobs against Green Bay. Uh, But I ended up actually spending a little bit more here than I normally would. And I'm going with a guy who should be lowly owned because of a bad week last week. That's Derrick Henry at home facing the Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim. Okay. Uh, You know, Tennessee's passing offense right now is complete crap. Uh, The Chargers, on the other hand, well, they're horrible against the run. Over the last two weeks, Los Angeles has allowed an average of 211 yards to opposing running backs, including just getting shellacked last night. So, you know what? No one's going to be on Henry because, frankly, no one wants any part of Ryan Tannehill or Marcus Mariota as their quarterback. True. But Henry actually might just get enough action in this game to make his value worthwhile. Okay. <laughs> um, I think we're going to agree on both the pay-up and the stay-away at wide receiver, too. Um, I went first on running back. I'll go first again at wide receiver. And I guess you can call it a little stack, 78-yard stack, but I'm going to pay up for Cooper Cup this week. Ding, 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 ding. The Falcons are allowing 233 wide receiver yards per game, two wide receiver touchdowns per game over the last four weeks. This includes two huge games by non-number one wide receivers, such as Will Fuller and A.J. Brown and two solid games by fellow non-number one wide receivers, Damier Bird and Zach Pascal. So again, yes, you do have multiple mouths to feed there, but it just doesn't matter. Atlanta is that bad. Yep. And I think we're going to agree on the stay away. I'm staying away from that Saints team again. I'm staying away from Michael Thomas. I considered Michael Thomas. We didn't agree here. I'm, I'm actually staying away from Adam Thielen. At Detroit, uh, Adam Thielen gets to go on the sleigh ride this coming weekend. Over the last three years, Thielen is averaging 5.6 catches and 61 yards a game against Detroit, with only one receiving touchdown, and he has never scored a touchdown in Detroit. I don't, ha- I don't hate that play honestly either. I just really thought that the second highest guy on the board, I thought for sure that we'd be on that, but both of them are. I, I did consider Michael Thomas. I have to admit, both of them are legit. Stay away, stay clears. Um, so it took me, let's see, what is this? One, two, took me three players to get to the guy that I'm finally saying, okay, this is who my value play is. Um, so I'll tell you, I'll run down who I picked first and then said, no, let me go here instead because I don't trust this guy enough. My first thought was Anthony Miller, right? So he's at home. Yep. The Saints have given up more passing yards than what people realize. The thing is, the wide receiver one, and they're the guys that Marshawn Lattimore is shutting down, but the other guys are, are thriving. So I, that's why I looked at Anthony Miller. But I was just like, God, you can't trust Anthony Miller. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I almost trust uh, Taylor Gabriel a little bit more than him. Yeah, and, and not only that, I, I don't know if I can trust Trubisky enough to trust Miller. So that's why I said, okay, we're going to cross him out. Then I went, okay, 
how do you not love Dante Pettis against Washington? And then I went, oh, it's because it's Dante Pettis, and they've really, <laughs> like, I just can't see. I like it, but I don't love it, right? So now, yep. so now we're way down in the bottom of the thermometer, right? <laughs> we're, we're around, you know, 10 degrees or so. To get to my value play, you got to get up into the 80s. I'm going to call, and this is where I'm going to, we're, we're playing on the words here. Tyler Lockett's my value play this week. This week. <laughs> He's $6,600 and $6,500 against Baltimore. I know that you said Baltimore has really only done it in one game. They're at home. I don't see how you don't get thir- three times value out of Tyler Lockett this week. Well, if I was going to pay up, I probably would have paid up for either Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods, although I've already got Cooper Cup in my lineup, so I would be doing a mass, like a Voltron stack of Rams players this week. Uh, Instead, I pivoted away from starting another wide receiver from the Rams and decided to go after one of the two guys that I talked about trading for earlier. And that is either Golden Tate or, if he's healthy and suits up, Sterling Shepard, both going against Arizona. I figured either one of those guys would be a good play this week. Uh, And realistically, considering that Engram is also hurt and Saquon may or may not play, can you name me another healthy offensive option for the Giants? Whoever whoever starts is going to be good there. Rhett Ellison. Um, It looks like (laughs) Ingram will probably play. Um, He could be limited. Shepard looks to be the odd man out. Does not look like he'll play. So we'll call your value play Golden Tate. Yeah, and so number one wide receivers have scored and or topped 80 yards in all but one game versus Arizona this year. Yeah, that's that's no, that's a solid play. That's for sure. I just I, I didn't love any of the lower price guys, so I said, you know what? I'm going to call my man Tyler Lockett a value play. Yep. All right, so we are at three. You set the over-under at four. I have a feeling that we may go over because of tight end. I think you're right. But this is where it's going to be key. Do we get the pay-up? Well, here's the tough part about the pay-up pay up this week. I could argue paying up for any of the top seven guys on the list. Yeah, I can, say, I can see that. Um, because the first one I wrote down was, well, George Kittle is the highest-priced guy, and I love that matchup, so if I'm going to pay up, I might as well pay up for him. But I crossed him off. He's not who I'm paying up for. Because I went, well, if I can save a couple hundred bucks, I might as well save a couple hundred bucks. And I think he's going to play, and I think people are going to shy away because they're going to be worried about the injury that he's coming off of. And that's why I'm paying up for Evan Ingram. He's facing Arizona. You really don't have to say anything more than that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he is not the player I chose just because, uh, much the same reason, I'm a little concerned about the injury status. But I agree. I think he's going to play. It sounds more and more like he's going to play. And he's going to have a huge game. And this is the week where I think double tight end comes into play. Because like I said, I like all of the top seven guys, but the guy I really like, I'm going to go out on a limb and play him two weeks in a row. That's Austin Hooper this week versus the Rams. Over the last three weeks, opposing tight ends are averaging seven catches and 90 yards versus the Rams. That's Arizona Cardinals-wise. Meanwhile, you know what? Austin Hooper, he's on fire. He scored the second most tight end touchdowns. He has the second most tight end receiving yards on the season. He also leads all tight ends in receptions. And if you rank that overall among running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, kickers, quarterbacks, he's actually fourth overall in receptions in the entire league. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. I don't have anything wrong with that. I'm with you. I liked a ton of the top guys. Um, Here's what I really like about Ingram the most, though. How chalky would he be this week if he, if he wasn't played? hurt last week? Right. <laughs> I think that's where the value comes in with him. So that's why I went with him. I guarantee you we're going to agree on our stay away because this guy didn't make the top seven for you when you said you said seven quite often. I'm staying away from Eric Ebron. Yep. Uh, I kind of drew the line in the sand right there. Houston, as we've talked about all season, are very good against tight ends. Uh, you know, Ebron's matchup isn't awful, but when you look at the other guys above him at, at about the same price range and they've all got matchups that are just sick good, how can you possibly stomach rostering Eric Ebron? You don't even know if he's going to be the best tight end on his own team each week. 
Yes, huge disappointment. That is for sure. So, and I didn't want to use him. I wanted to find a higher priced guy to stay away from. But there exactly, was, there wasn't one. There wasn't one. So he's it de facto. Um, I think he's an easy steer clear of. That's for sure. Um, so then that means we now have to find somebody that's a value play. And I think we could agree here. And if we do, there's no pressure. But if we do, the over hits. Well, so uh, if you take the line that you were talking about in your trade segment, we might match. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to match. Uh, I'm actually avoiding the guy you first mentioned, though, in your trade segment, Gerald Everett. Yeah. And it's not, not that right. I dislike him, but there's two other guys that I like a little bit more that are a little bit cheaper. I like Jared Cook at Chicago. Okay. But the guy I ultimately ended up going with is Darren Fells oh. at Indianapolis. In, oh. Instead of Jordan Akins, it was a tough call between the two of them. But for me, four of five tight end groups to face Indianapolis have top 60 yards receiving. Over the last three weeks, or, or over the last three games, they have allowed 23 catches, 231 yards, and three touchdowns to the position. Meanwhile, over the last couple weeks, Fells has moved up to third on Houston in terms of team reception. So he's the hot hand there. Uh, it could go either way with him and Aiken. So if you're going to take that route of taking a value play at tight end, you may have to roster lineups where you've got one with Aikens in it, one with Fells yeah. in it. But I think Fells is the hot hand. So he's the guy I'm going with. So, yes, I have Aikens. And that's what I think you do here is you create a lineup that you really like, right? Yep. You really like it. And then you look at tight end and you want to get Fells in there. Make the same exact lineup and do it with Aikens. Because I do exactly. think one of them, hell, both of them could pay off. Um, but I definitely, I went with Aikens. Um, but yeah. I thought you were going to go with Gerald Everett after you said the tight end. No, up, so. no, 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 no. And, and you know what? Just and uh, He could bounce back, but the price is higher than those other guys too. Um, yep. So... I mean, you're talking $100 separates them. Actually, actually, Fells is $800 more on FanDuel than Aikens is. Again, recency bias. Yeah. And then Aikens is $100 more on DraftKings than Fells is. So, Well, we pushed. In Vegas a, wins, right? But in a sense, that was kind of like a... Eh, a half we the Minshew was kind of there, but not because I crossed him out, and then we had the same team but two different players. We were so close to being six. Yes, and again, I think wide receiver really carried us this week. Um, no running back. Oh what? no, yeah, yeah, you, I know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, running back was definitely the position with Leonard Fournette and Kamara both yeah, on there. Exactly. Um. So anyway. With all that said, anything else you want to add in parting um, to our listeners, Harley? You know, no. Just go out there and make some trades. Get yourself ready for the playoffs. And m most important thing is have fun. Have a beer. Yes, have a beer. What do you recommend that they have this week? Well, you know what? Uh, Oktoberfest season is starting to wind down, and we're getting closer and closer to uh, Halloween. So certainly you're going to have all of your pumpkin ales coming out soon. But Another thing to think about right now is this is also the time of year where you start seeing a lot of the breweries release their imperial stouts, their darker yes, beers. That yes. We start to reach the uh, – is it fall of Vernal Equinox, right? Yes. I, I can so. never get those two uh, backwards. I always get those two backwards. But as we get closer to the darkest day of the year, breweries start releasing their really, really dark imperial stouts. So be on the lookout for those. Those are always delicious. Uh, curl up by your fire and have a nice uh, – Thick, chocolatey imperial stout. That is what I am. They're my favorites. You know that. I love the dark, heavy stouts. So I can't wait for it to chill off a little bit so that they're a little more enjoyable. That's for sure. Um, so as always, of course, make sure you follow my man Harley Schultz on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. He'll answer any and all questions. Um, you can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And if you ask us both the same question, we don't always answer the same. We may confuse you like we do some of our listeners, um, but you get two different views and can decide to go your own way if you want. But it happens, right, Harley? Exactly. And, you know, with that, as Harley said about the beers, et cetera, I'm just going to leave you with go sign up for the huddle, take some deep dives, read all the great content, and then, as we like to say, get blitzed responsibly. 
Cheers. <laughs>